Once again, we'll be looking at the great things of God in the Bible, and I pray that you're enjoying these messages. I want us to crave greater things from God. Crave greater things from God. God wants us to have so much more. He wants to give us so much more, and yet we often deny this truth and don't hold on to uh, his promises, and therefore I believe that we lack the greater things, the greater gifts, and we so often walk through life uh, stumbling, just trying to get ahead and trying to live and impact this world. One reason I believe this, this happens is because we have rejected and quenched the Holy Spirit in many of our churches. While academically many people believe in the Holy Spirit, they believe in the Holy Spirit power, they no longer seek His presence or His power. They no longer allow Him to move in the churches and services. They, they no longer want to wait and bask in His presence. They limit altar time and limit prayer time and they limit the presence and the, and the, and the power that the Holy Spirit will come and help us to overcome sin. The Holy Spirit is often being rejected in our society as well. We, society has quenched the Spirit, discounted the third person of the Trinity. And I believe there's a misunderstanding of who He is and why He's needed. Often uh, emotionalism and the Holy Spirit and the fire that comes, we often confuse with the baptism of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the initial physical evidence of the baptism with his work of salvation. And this can be a very complex topic to study and to understand. But let me clearly state this from the beginning of this message. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, for sure. But this should not be the end of your walk with Christ. For example, you made the team. You, you got on the boat, you have a relationship now with Jesus Christ, so this should not be the end journey with God, right? No, of course not. It's the beginning of your journey as a saint, and that's how I see it. And your actions and your, your attitudes of the heart need to yield to the Holy Spirit, who now resides in you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so at salvation, you're fully saved. You are set free. And you have the Holy Spirit now residing inside you. And there's nothing more that is uh, needed for salvation. Nothing more needed to be uh, with Christ, to have a relationship with Christ, and to be with Him for eternity. You are now sanctified, is how we say it. But there's more that God has for you. I believe that. There's more. And that sanctification is a process. It's ongoing. It's, it's continuous. And that... That work does not end at salvation, but really begins. We're saints now. And so don't fear the Holy Spirit. Desire more of Him. Seek more of Him. Go deeper with God. And so this morning I want to speak about the Holy Spirit. I want to uh, explain who He is and, and maybe clear up some of the misunderstandings we have about the Holy Spirit. I've entitled this, this message, The Great Paraclete. The Great Paraclete, and I'll explain more about that. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We'll be in the book of John, chapter 14. The book of John, chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor, nor knows him. 
But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will leave you, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys him, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If, any, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counsel, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you'll be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, history being explained in advance. I'm going to the Father for, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and I will do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, let us leave. Let's pray. Father God, help us to love and obey your teachings. And Lord, while we're humans and carnal and don't fully comprehend all the things that are in the Bible, illuminate our hearts. Holy Spirit, come now and illuminate our hearts. Teach us, guide us. Give us wisdom and understanding, Father God, of these words, Lord Jesus. Teach us your ways. Help us to understand you, your heart, Lord Jesus. Anoint these words, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. People seem to misunderstand and fear seeking more of the Spirit. They fear being out of control. They fear losing control of the service, so they feel be. Uh, becoming too emotional and doing things uh, that don't align with Scripture or Holy Spirit doctrines that are in the Bible. And they sit on the sidelines criticizing the church, criticizing the pastor, criticizing the people, and wanting in many cases to see it fail. Or they operate with little or no faith. So often the church in America has settled for no Holy Spirit fire at all because they're fearful of wildfires or getting things out of control. And this is sad. So church, I want to encourage you not to fear the Holy Spirit. Not to fear wildfires or being out of control. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Know that he will give you exactly what you need, exactly at the right time, in the right season. He will, he will drop that Rima word into you, into your hearts. Now, I don't want to be uh, ignorant about this topic. I, I've seen my share of crazy, crazy people, especially in the church. I'm 51 years old. I grew up in Pentecost, so I've seen a lot. But I'd rather see wildfires. I'd rather see that. And people hungry for the things of God. Um, 
who might be a little emotional, who might be a little mixed up or miss the mark just a bit or do things that just might be flesh than spirit, more flesh than spirit. I, I get that. I'd rather have that than dryness any day. I'd rather have that than no fire at all, no passion, no zeal, no purpose for the things of God. I'd rather have some crazy than the silent, passionate people who are just looking to check in on Sunday to knock it off the to-do list instead of seeking God with all their heart. So some crazy might come to this church. Deal with it, church. Deal with it. Let them come and let them find Jesus. Let them come and let them grow in their faith. Sure, the crazies might come. Let them come. Let them find the great movement of God that can't be counterfeited. Let them come and find grace. Let them come and find the Holy Spirit that changes lives, that transforms hearts. Let them come. Let them come. And allow the leadership of this church to mentor them, to teach them, to kind of bring them in together just a little bit. You yourself, be in a position to see it, to understand it, to pray with the leadership of this church, to navigate through it. But you stay focused on Jesus. You pray for greater intensity, an intensity of the Holy Spirit. You pray for that in the meantime. Let's pray for discernment. Let's pray for power. Let's pray for the authority of God. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray for the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to excel in this house. Let's pray for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to come and overshadow us in a real and special way and fill us, restore us, heal us, teach us, guide us, work through the church, work through us in all truth. Amen? But let us not quench the Spirit of God. Let us welcome the Holy Spirit. Desire more of the Holy Spirit. To me, this means winning the lost, power to witness, overcoming sin in our camp, in our homes, in our lives. But church, fearing the Holy Ghost is foolishness. Let's not neglect the Holy Spirit in this house. Today I'm focusing not on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not not talking about speaking in tongues at this moment. I want to investigate and look into this idea of, of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit and what it means and what the apostles were to wait for. Are these the same events? But more importantly, do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Do we want more of the Holy Spirit? Can you have more of the Holy Spirit? And if we desire more, what are we doing about it? Uh, to know someone, we need to learn about them. We need to, to know what they've done, know what they've said, know what they stand for, and we can know them better. You see, I heard people have said this before. I desire more of God, more of the Spirit, but then they're not actively seeking the more. Why not? Is it fear? Is it lacking of the understanding of scriptures? Or maybe it's misunderstanding what this really all means. Some people who can speak in tongues, in a sense, wear it like a badge of honor. It almost suggests that the other Christians are second-class citizens or have less faith or are less saved. Um, Some even have suggested they're not saved um, if you don't speak in tongues. I, I reject that. I think this is the wrong 
view, in my opinion, and clearly a misunderstanding of Scripture. At salvation, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. At salvation, when you are saved, you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. We need to stop this idea or this mindset, and, and I'm also talking to people into the internet land who have this idea that you're not a Christian if you don't speak in tongues. Reject that. You are a Christian. You are saved. You are sanctified. But there's more. There's more. Because while you are saved, while you are sanctified, while you are set free, we, we, while we are living now for Christ for eternity, there's a further work that needs to be done through us. And we need to yield to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Are you continuously being saved? Yes. Well, now we need to continuously be filled. Salvation is the beginning of your walk with Christ. And at salvation, while you have everything that you need, the Lord wants to bless you with more. You have everything you need for salvation. Instantaneously. That's a moment in time. But he wants to give you more. And so not seeking more of the Holy Spirit as well as more of Jesus is a misunderstanding of Scripture. Secular thinking and theologically uh, liberal academics at some of the most prestigious schools and universities reject our traditional view of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In their core, they believe that a personal God is dangerous to humanity, dangerous to our children, and that what we teach as a church, as a body, as a unit, is foolishness. In some states, I heard that if you teach some of these things from this ancient book, the Bible, you can lose your children for child abuse. And I don't want to name the state, but I've heard more than one, and they're looking into it. And maybe it's coming our way someday, so stay alert. It's hard to imagine that in this country, we're going in that direction and we've fallen so far. That this type of talk, that this type of understanding is so crazy and foreign to me. To believe that if, if the God of love is taught rightly, in some way it's harmful to our children. That's crazy. Some in our society believe this thinking to be true. Some believe if you call a boy a boy or a girl a girl, this is wrong as well. That this is a dangerous label. Uh, this is dangerous teaching. And I don't want to debate that today. I simply want to say that we need a greater move of God in our church, in our country, in our homes, in our hearts. We need revival once again. We need the God to come in and infiltrate our hearts and give us a greater intensity of His Spirit. And not fear the Holy Spirit. If we don't want more of the Spirit, then we're buying into the fact that the Holy Spirit at salvation... Is all we need. No more work. Nothing more to receive from God. Nothing more to gain. And while there's a great number of Christians that believe this, I believe theologically they're wrong. It's misleading. It's harmful to church growth. We're going beyond salvation, is what I'm saying. Salvation is the beginning walk of your relationship with God as a saint. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Y'all know that. But we're now considered saints. We're now considered saints. 
in that you're a child of the King, Jesus the Messiah. Now, God wants more from you, and God wants to do more in you. He wants a deeper relationship with you. And if you dismiss the Holy Spirit, dismiss the work, dismiss the fact that He has more for you, then you are quenching the Spirit. Then you're limiting what God can do through you. John chapter 4, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. That's action. That's a process. That obedience is an action. You're doing something here. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsel to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he's neither seen him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with, with you, with you, and will be in you. John is saying something here about love and saying something here about obedience. Something that we see all through scriptures here. If you love me, you will take a certain amount of action. That is obedient action. So many people, and I'm speaking now to Christians, want to live the life any way they please. Which is a life, if you do it any way you please, is a life of disobedience. Because what are we to do? We are to do the will of the Father as Jesus did the will of the Father. And so it's not our will, but His will. Thy will be done. If you live, love me, you will obey these commands. But it's impossible to obey, right, without the Lord's help. And so this portion of Scripture, as you, if you, you read earlier portions of it, we know that He's leaving His disciples. So how can they live rightly without Him being around? Well, they, they really can't. And so he's going to send them a counsel. He's going to send them the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. They are equal, perfect in order and role. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for those who are taking notes. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. Paul describes three distinct functions of the Trinity. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service but the same Son. Different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Back to our text, John 14, verses 15 and 16, actually reveals the Trinity here. Jesus is seen speaking. If you love me, you will obey my command, what I command. Then we see the Father will give, you, will give us the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. So the Trinity is at work here. Three distinct functions, yet one God. And while this is not a lesson on the Trinity, we learn that the Trinity applies here to this orderly function in the way God accomplishes all that he has determined. And the way my my pastor used to teach it is this way. The Father initiates his plan for mankind. The Son executes it or carries out this plan. And the Spirit illuminates or unfolds this plan in in the hearts and minds of his children. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is divine. He is spirit in essence because he does not have a body as part of his form. We know the Holy Spirit has personality. He teaches, he guides, he comforts. He can be resisted. He can be grieved. He is God and should not be considered an inanimate force or inferior to Jesus or inferior to Father. Father God. God revealed himself to us in three persons or three expressions of who he is. God also uses names 
to express things to us, names. In our society, we don't really use names very often as much as we once did. It's often not as significant as it was in the Bible time or the Bible literature. But the Holy Spirit does not seem to appear much in, in that word, Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament. The focus was initially on the one true God. The nations around the, uh, around the world would not yet be prepared for this deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit. They, they believed in many gods. And so, so in, in the Old Testament, it's basically saying one true God. But the Bible is really filled with titles of, of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of life, the Spirit of sonship, the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of the promise, the Spirit of the Lord. Ruach Yahweh, the Hebrew word can mean spirit. Rock can mean wind or, 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 or breath. Or the Spirit of the Lord when you put it together with Yahweh. There's many names of the Holy Spirit and there's also many symbols of the Holy Spirit as well. Such as wind, fire, water, oil the dove. And by the way, many of the ancient writers and philosophers wrote really about five elements of life. This is not from the Bible, but they wrote about five elements of life. Um, Some had four, some had five, some had many more, which were fire, water, air, earth, ether. And they believed that this was to sustain life. And so I find it very interesting that the Holy Spirit comes in the symbolic of life and creation as well. Wind represents power, unseen forces. Water represents life-sustaining power and refresh those who were thirsty, both physically and thirsty spiritually. Fire was purifying and cleansing and often used in a purifying of metal ore or for judgment. Oil was for anointing of the priest, for healing power. The dove was for gentleness and peace we know that he can provide us with peace in the middle of our storm peace in the middle of our struggle peace in the middle of adversity or stuff that's going crazy and hard to to see even today someone was telling me in the midst of the trials there's a certain level of peace that they have in John chapter 14 Verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. Another counselor. A counselor means helper, comforter, advocate, paraclete. Another way it's say parakletos. I would say parakletos, but it's parakletos is how I understand it. This is another of the same kind. It literally means to call to or call besides uh, another to, to aid him. A friend of mine recently said that in, in the Roman military, and I didn't get a chance to, to look this up, but he said that the paraclete came behind someone that was going forward, and they watched the back. So he had this idea of the, of the soldier going forward, and the paraclete came along and was watching the back as they were moving forward. He got his back so he couldn't be attacked from the back. I kind of like that. The word paraclete is so rich in meaning. It's more than just a helper. It's more than someone that's coming alongside of you to aid you, to teach you, to give you comfort. The paraclete, our teacher, our comforter, our instructor, our encourager, he will guide us in all things. He will bring things back to remembrance, lead you in ways you should go. And the list goes on and on. He can speak on your behalf, pleading your cause. 
He's the one that will come to aid you. And the paraclete to us is as Jesus was to the disciples. Let me say it again. I want you to have that symbolically in your head. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit to us, was like Jesus to the disciples. How can we explain all that? Especially in a short time. But he says he will receive, we will receive another counselor, or like, kind, equal, and he no longer will dwell alongside of us only, or on us, or near us, but he will dwell inside of us now. In a few moments, I'll explain this promise uh, uh, once again. is really not for all people, but for all believers, for all believers. And so we're just touching on the surface of this regarding who the Holy Spirit is. And as we go through these passages of Scripture, let's quickly look at how the Holy Spirit plays in role of creation, conviction, conversion, and eventually lead to completion. And so the Holy Spirit work was displayed in the creation process. And we see that happening in Genesis 1 to 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is associated with God's creative um, activity. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning. He was involved in the creation process, hovering over the water. He will also help us with our talents, our gifts, our abilities. He understands, his understanding of creation and creativity far exceeds whatever we would know. So put your plans in God's hands. Plug in to his wisdom. Amen? The Holy Spirit work is revealed in the conviction process. Yet the world has rejected Jesus and rejected the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 says, The, the world cannot accept him, but it's neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And in a moment... We will see that conviction leading to conversion. But that's only when we yield to the Holy Spirit. Only when we want more of the Holy Spirit and we yield to the Holy Spirit. John in chapter 16, verses 12 through 13 says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And the Holy Spirit is going to guide those Listen, but many people hear, but they don't respond. Many people hear, but they're too busy doing other things. They're, they're here, but their mind is really somewhere else. They, they, they don't really get the word. They're not really hearing the word. They're too busy or they're too stubborn. They need to hear nor know him. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No one comes to the Father and comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up in these last days. So we see the Holy Spirit wooing people, convicting them of their sins. But this is only when they respond to the Holy Spirit and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is only when they, can have, when they have salvation and they're, being, and they're saved from the sting of death and pain and suffering, which is our destiny to all of us. We're going to be separated from God unless, unless we yield to the Holy Spirit, unless we yield, unless we allow salvation to take place in us. The Holy Spirit work, number three, is present in the conversion process. While Jesus saves, it's clear that the Holy Spirit is involved in this process. 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, 
loved by the Lord because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. The sanctifying work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit work is present in the conversion process. And through belief in the truth, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is active in the conversion process. And when you make a move to the Lord, when you accept him, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're saved. And now the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. John 14, verse 18 and following. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. In John chapter 20, verse 22, he will give them the Holy Spirit and we will see the Holy Spirit dwelling in in a sense inside of them. Prior Prior to this, we believe that disciples were actually saved in that they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. Only came alongside of them, overshadowed them. But now, he breathes. He breathes on them. Verse 22. And with that, he breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit, he dwells in all believers. Everyone. The paraclete is inside of you at salvation to those who love Jesus, to those who love the Father, to those who love the Holy Spirit. We cannot love Jesus and despise the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We cannot want more of Jesus and less of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. When you limit the work of the Spirit in your life, When you fear him, when you don't desire him, you grieve him. And you quench him in the presence, in the process of your life. No matter how good your walk might be or seem to be with Jesus, when you don't seek after Jesus, after the Holy Spirit, when you're not purposeful in seeking after the Holy Spirit, you lack vision, you lack power, you lack effectiveness. I believe that. You cannot be all you want to be if you reject or limit the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you're so only going after Jesus that you reject the Holy Spirit. I believe that teaching is wrong. John chapter 14, verse 23 to 26, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. How could you obey Jesus and disobey the Holy Spirit? How could you want more of Jesus and not seek more of the Holy Spirit? My father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. Will not obey my teachings. It's saying, I don't love you if if I'm not obeying. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. By the way, if you are being reminded of something or everything, you need to study the Bible first. God's words and meditating on the scriptures. How can it remind you of something if you're not studying God's words? If you have never learned God's words? Obviously, he's God. So he can download anything he wants. Boop, you got it. He can do that. But that's not his MO. 
That's not his, uh, op- uh, his method of operation, right? He doesn't just do that. You study, you work, you learn. You get up early in the morning, you stay up late at night. You listen, you love, and you obey his teachings and his commands. And then he reminds you in times of need. Then he reminds you when times come up. In fact, you don't need more if you're not going to do any more. You don't need more if you're not going to do any more. Finally, in closing, Arthur can come up. Actually, the worship team, if there's still anyone around, they're welcome to come up. The Holy Spirit's work is continued in the completion process. Oh, there we go. Praise God. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. The Holy Spirit is in operation in you, no longer just aside you. We are the temple of God, and we need to start living with that in mind, that we are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and so we are supposed to be living with holy standards. So often say we say, hey, we can't measure up to these standards. And I get that. But also I get that that's what the enemy wants you to say. That's what the enemy wants you to hear. That is our flesh speaking out. That is our flesh governing our spirit. We need to stop using our sin nature as an excuse to sin. The Lord wants to purify us on earth as well as in heaven. When we get our glorious bodies, when we fail, and I understand we're going to fail, but too often I believe we fail on purpose. Who's your father? Or who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is it Satan or is it Jesus? Whose report are you going to believe? Whose ways are you going to follow? When we purposely yield to sin, we are living under Satan's rule. You know when you're sinning. You know when you're lusting. You know when you're looking after that woman that doesn't belong to you. You know when you're looking at someone else's husband and wants him. You know when you're coveting someone else's goods, whatever it might be. I want that Corvette. I want his bank account. I want his job. You know when pride is taking over. You know when you're about to fail and commit sin because the Holy Spirit is working in you because you're saved. The Holy Spirit's working through you, and he's telling you, stop it. Stop it. But you're yielding anyway to sin. You're following another father right now. You're you're yielding to sin when you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. When you're not seeking after him. When, when When you're not seeking more of him. You can't just seek Jesus and not more of the Holy Spirit at the same time. He has so much more that he wants to give us. Now, I'm not judging anyone here. I'm simply saying that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today like he spoke to the saints of old. And if you're not hearing it, maybe you're not listening. When you give up and you give into the world's standards, when you say, I'm trying to live rightly, but really you're not trying. When you say, I'm done listening to the Holy Spirit, you sin, you grieve Him, you quench the blessing of God in your life. Even if life is good, even if it's good, There's pain coming your way because you reject the Messiah, because you reject the Holy Spirit. You will be judged by God for your sins. And trust me, it goes beyond you. It will affect your family. It will affect your church. It will affect your community. It will affect your reputation. It will will affect the kingdom work. It will damage kingdom work. It will affect those around you. So repent for your sins. Repent for grieving the Holy Spirit. Repent for quenching the move of God in your heart. 
in your house, in your church. But know this, he's not finished with you yet. You're a work in progress. And not only did he breathe on the disciples and give them the Holy Spirit, we learn in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he gave them the command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And verse 8, but you will receive power. The Holy Spirit power comes upon you. It will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's more to come. There's more coming your way. And the Lord has something more for his disciples. And he wants them to walk in a greater intensity. He wants them to walk with more power. He wants them to walk with more conviction. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes in a greater way, in a fuller way. Now some believe that this baptism was only for the apostles. It was only for that time period. I believe it's still for us today. We serve the same God. He hasn't changed. And I believe God fully wants to give us more. I believe God fully wants to express love through us in a greater way. I I fully believe that he wants to give us abundance of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his gifts. Desire more of him. How could you love Jesus and not want more of the Holy Spirit? How could you say, that's it, I'm done. I, I, I desire him and I do nothing about it. Desire him and do something about it. Speak with him, pray to him, ask. Keep, keep fasting, keep seeking, keep loving, keep going forward. Don't quit. John 14 says, I will give you peace. Peace I, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you will be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer. The prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us go. And while some of you are going to leave today the same way you entered, I pray that the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit goes with you, that his transforming power will save you, that his transforming power will touch your heart in such a great way that you will desire a greater intensity of the spirit flowing through you so that not only you are changed, but those around you will feel the effect of a great and awesome God. I pray that this message goes with you. Desire more of his presence, more of his spirit, more of his love.